Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Well, good morning, guys. How's everyone enjoying fall weather? It's awesome, isn't it? Finally, yeah. We were joking this week that I think that we're going to have to clear snow just to mow the grass because it seems like the grass is going to keep growing until next year. It's awesome. Um, Adam had a family emergency that he had to go to in California this week, and so... My name is Robert Stevens, and I'm on staff, and I'm going to fill in the first part, and then Peter's going to pick up after the, the video. So let's open in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, Lord, I pray that um, we would have open hearts this morning and that we would hear uh, your word um, and your instruction. Um, and Lord, I, I thank you for creating us and for giving us your word uh, that it might be a roadmap for how we conduct our lives and how we interact with our children. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So at your tables, I'm going to throw a question out. So take some time to discuss at your tables what is the most gracious thing that has ever happened to you. That's question number one. The second question is, talk about a time that you saw meaning and purpose in or after a trial in your life. So the first question again is, what is the most gracious thing that has ever happened to you? Second thing is, a time that you saw meaning and purpose in or after a trial in your life. All right, guys. Was everyone able to think of a time that was the most gracious time in your life? Was it hard to think back on that? What about trials in your life? Were you able to look back and see where you benefited from a trial or where God's hand was, in, even though you didn't feel that way in the middle of it, looking back, can you see that and see where God's grace, he was gracious to you even during that time? So review from last week was the uh, paradox of the kingdom. We live, we die, we retreat before we advance, we receive when we give. Um, What are some practical ways that we can show our kids this? How can we demonstrate that for our kids? Is it easy to show our kids grace? In the midst of when they're back talking, or you know, can you think of a time in your life where you have, where you might not should have been given grace, but you were given grace? Yeah, it puts it in a different perspective, at least for me, when I think about, well, you know, my, my kids doing this or or that, and I, I don't want to be gracious, but then God reminds me of how much grace that He has given me. And so with that father relationship, that really puts that into perspective. So today we're going to watch the video, and uh, Tim's going to talk to us about God's greatest gift, and uh, he's going to talk to us about grace. Hi there. Welcome back. 
If you've been with us from the beginning, I hope Can you guys hear that in the back? You know, we're just like you. We care about kids and we're a lot, yeah. We learn through our fair Okay. Um, as we get ready to take a look at a practical application of this, I want to give you some time to talk about it. I want to take you to a familiar passage of Scripture that you have probably heard before, <clears throat> and I want to even simplify this a little bit more for you. Uh, one of the things that I have noticed as I have gone through my parenting is that while I listen to somebody like Tim and he gives me these really great ideas... Sometimes doing four things is still overly complicated in a really busy life. So I want to give you only one thing to do today that encompasses those four things. So if you can do those four things, that's going to be really great. But if you can't do them on a busy day, you can at least remember to do this one thing, uh, which will get at these four different qualities. So I want to take you to Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, where Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This passage of Scripture is really a passage of Scripture that can resonate with all of us, because I imagine that at some point in time you're tired, you're weary, you're burdened, and when research has been done in America on the way that Americans generally feel right now, there is one word that comes out over and over again that captures the way that Americans feel, and that is overwhelmed. And I put that there. Come unto me, all you who are overwhelmed. Uh, just the regular living of life is creating a sense of overwhelmedness for most Americans. So when you think about your life and you think about everything that you feel like you have to do, everything you know you have to do, everything that comes at you, um, then you have so much that's going out and so little that's coming in, feeling overwhelmed can be your story. And so Jesus says, I want you to come to me. So one of the underlying elements of all this parenting style is a personal relationship with Jesus. That is that you cry out to him in that moment to give you what you need, to give you what you need. And so if you need energy, you ask him, please give me energy so that I can treat my son, my daughter in the way that I need to, because right now I don't really feel like I have it within me to be able to do that. Um, if you need to just get up in the morning and you need to get your day started, then you need to ask God, please help me to just get my day started. And what you need is a daily experience with God in the moment, which then helps you to recognize that there's a lot about God that you will never understand. But one of the truths, the great truths of Scripture that is personal for you, that you recognize, that you live out, is that He has a dynamic relationship with you, that you might be able to have the power. We're going we're gonna to talk a lot about empowerment the, the power to do what is right in front of you. And so one of the first skills that you and I have to have is to pray through our day. Basically have a regular conversation with God throughout the day for wisdom and strength and grace and power. He goes on to say, for I am meek and humble in heart. And I want to talk to you about these two elements. And I want to land on the word that is translated as meek. This is not a great word to translate to Americans because this word seems like it's weak. This is the Greek word praus, P-R-A-U-S. 
And this word, P-R-A-U-S, is the word that is used about the best government officials in the Roman Empire and is a word that means this. Every good thing that I have, every resource that is mine, everything that I have power over is moved to help my citizens. That's meekness. Isn't that interesting? Everything that you have is moved to help your children. Everything that you have is moved to help another person. This is conceptually what mercy is. For my heart is full of mercy. This is the way that we should probably translate this. Because that's what this word is getting at. Is that everything that you own, everything that you are, every characteristic that you have is to move toward the people that you love and care about. And even the stranger on the street. Because those can be divine appointments. Everything about you is to be non-threatening, meek, but still powerful, meek. Isn't that interesting? Meekness for us has been relegated to weakness, to being stepped on, to not standing up for your own self, for just letting everybody else have their own way. That is not this word. This is a person who is exceptionally powerful, who does not use his or her power for their own benefit, but spreads that power and those resources and that ability to everybody else. That's what it is. It's selfless service. It's servant leadership. And then there's the next word, which is the word humble. I don't want you to worry about this word quite so much because if you do meekness, you'll be humble. And humble simply means that I am going to lower myself to not live according to the brokenness of the world. That I'm going to empty myself. This is the great emptying of Jesus from Philippians chapter 2, where he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He humbled himself to make himself non-threatening. And what you're doing is that you're emptying yourself of your position and your status as mom and dad. You're emptying yourself in your position and status as a spouse that has emotional and physical control over the other one. You're emptying yourself to remove yourself of the power that you have in your business so that you can actually deal with somebody with power, relationally with power. This is um, oxymoronic to us. This is counterintuitive. You know the difference between an arrogant boss and a boss that doesn't use his or her own power in order to get what he or she wants. You know the difference between an arrogant spouse and one who is not, a child and one who is not. That's what Jesus is saying is if you want to be like me, if you want the power that I have, here are two qualities and characteristics that I want to remind you of. Everything that I have, everything that I possess moves towards you as my children for your betterment in every situation that you find yourself in. God isn't going to save us from pain. He's going to walk with us through pain. He's not going to do these magic miracles and control everybody like they're a bunch of slaves. What he's going to do is he's going to work with us in that time in order to help us find our next step. And he's going to do that without being threatening, which is really pretty fascinating. My one word that I want for you to think about is and I want you to think about it as mercy. Mercy. You can think of it as meekness, which is the way that it's translated, because we have another word for mercy in the Greek. But this whole idea that I want you to think about is that you will train your children, you will train yourself that everything about you is to be for the betterment of another person. So when you take matters into your hands and those words come out of your mouth that are wounding 
you have overstepped what this is. When your children do that, you have overstepped what that is. And this is what Tim is saying is that you don't encourage that, but you fix it. And we are not supposed to be perfect because we cannot be. We are supposed to be in a process of redemption where we catch ourselves and we show them what it's like to live in a broken world and have brokenness in us where we work to fix whatever is not working correctly. And that model of fixing is actually more powerful than the model of fake perfection. The model of fixing. I don't know about you. I've lived a pretty long time right now in human standards, human years. But there, is, there are still elements of my life that don't work the way I want them to. I still wake up crabby. I still have to deal with people that I think should know better and they still fail on a regular basis. I try to communicate and whatever I'm saying bounces back to me like I'm speaking gibberish, which is really frustrating to me. My very best intentions are misunderstood as harmful to a person because of their own woundedness, they superimpose a meaning on that for their own sense of protection. And while I'm trying to be helpful, I'm being pushed away from them on a regular basis. And that bothers me because I'm like, don't you see, don't you understand that this is not supposed to be harmful? This is not supposed to be evil. This is not supposed to be bad. Well, how many times have you had a conversation with your son or daughter and they've tried to push you away? They view it as harmful. And that brings up something inside of us. What it ought to bring up is mercy and the recognition that you're dealing with wounded people in a broken world who continue to have wounds. That's super incredibly hard. That's mercy. That's what Tim is talking about. He's divided it up into these four qualities and characteristics for us. But that's really what he's talking about is pick these four qualities and really try to ask yourself, what are we going to do to make these work? So um, I want you to have a conversation, but um, if you have this sheet, I made some more copies. If you have this sheet about developing godly children, pull it out. And I made some more if you don't have it. So if you just don't have access to one, let me know. And I want to talk to you a little bit about organizing your discussion about these matters. You guys need one? Um, If you turn it to the back side of this. Um, you'll see that I, I gave you 12 steps or 12 elements, if you would, about um, developing agape love. And I want you to just put one of these four qualities that, um, that Tim talked about. So let's just talk about a, a servant attitude, the last one, the servant attitude. And I want you to just look at these 12 areas and say, okay, If we're going to have a servant attitude, then what can we do in order to develop that within our family? And I would just say the first one is that you as a group should work out, well, what does that really mean? What does it really mean to have a servant attitude? Tim kind of talked a little bit about it, but you have to personalize it. Does that mean that you just volunteer to get stuff done? Does that mean that you say, okay, when you're asked? Does that mean that you recognize that everybody needs some kind of help and you want, you want to step in and help when it's appropriate? How do you not overhelp? How do you avoid pushing yourself on somebody? I mean, just take a look at what does that really mean? Because your kids, you say, well, I want you to have a servant attitude. They go have a servant attitude and they get in trouble. Because maybe they overstepped a boundary that they didn't really know that was there. Number two, ask God to focus your own attention on this kind of servant attitude in the Bible in your own life. This is where he said you have to be a model. So here's what I want you to know is not, not 
how well of a servant attitude do you possess, but what do you do when you feel like you step out of that model? What do you do when you step out of that model? Most of the parents in here um, have a servant attitude on some level. I, I would simply say that. I mean, we're, we do that for our kids, but we'll have a rough day. We'll have a sharpness to our tone. Um, we'll be frustrated. And so the question is, what do we do to, to change that? Observe personality, temperamental traits, and preferences in your child. This is where you focus it. So I'm just going to say, well, what can I do with Alex, my youngest, to develop a servant attitude? What, what are his qualities like? What, what, what do I understand about him? How is Audrey different than Alex, my oldest child? Um, and what do I need to do to, to help her to have a servant attitude? Number five, build on the strengths of your child. Now what you're doing is you're just taking a look to say, what do my kids already do well in service attitude? Serve attitude. And you want to acknowledge that. Tim said acknowledge it. You, you will um, focus their attention on whatever you talk about. So if you're always talking about what they're not doing, they begin to get the message that is shame-based. I am a bad person. They will just get that message. So what you have to do is tell them the things that they are doing well and what are they going to do in order to continue to grow in that particular way because they're going to have rough days too and they could feel like I'm a total failure. You know teenagers. I mean, if you have them, everything is either wonderful or everything is absolutely the pits in the entire world. There's generally not this ability to hold in tension the fact that a rough day is just simply a rough moment on a day that is generally going okay. Um, and then number six is practice. And this is where you just want to say, hey, you know, we're all just going to practice a servant attitude. And I want you to do one thing for one person every day that they don't ask for. Ask them how you can help. Ask them what you can do. Just step up after the meal and let's just, as a family, put the whole meal away and clean the kitchen. Let's just all do that. And what you're doing is practicing a servant attitude. How many kids do you know every single day want to get up and put away a meal for somebody else? Probably zero. Zero. A servant attitude is helping and blessing somebody else, even if it's not what I particularly want to do with my own desires at that moment. But it's something that is valuable to do. The environment. Determine what the non-negotiable rules are. You can't say, I hate you. You can't say, I'm not going to help you. You can't say, do it on your own. You have two legs. Go and do it yourself, you lazy bum. You can't say stuff like that in a family. You can simply say, let's do it together, or I'll do it for you this time, next time you can do that, or this is your turn to get that done. Um, you want to look at the environment and find out how much of the environment actually propels you forward in these attitudes. Number eight, what is the attitude that you want? And this is where you teach them to pray through their day. So you might at the end of your meal say, hey, we're going to clean up the kitchen, but before we do, we're going to ask God's blessing. Because this is a new skill, and some of, sometimes when we practice something new, we have a bad attitude. But what we want to do is have God bless us so that we can enjoy this and get it done faster rather than slower. So when you pray with your kids before they do something, it should help them to get through the new way of doing things. Because number one, they don't know how to do it. Number two, they don't know what's expected. Number three, they're not really sure what clean is. Number four, they're looking at this like, we got in trouble the last time we did this. Why do I want to do this again? Number five, I'm already in conflict with one of my brothers or sisters. I don't want to stand at the dish drainer with that person because you're, you're invading my space and you're touching my left leg. And if you touch my left leg, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with a fork. And all of a sudden, what you intended to be really good becomes a World War 25. 
So if you will ask God's blessing on this, invite the work of God in on soft hearts with your children, then you will find that more times than not you can get through this in a much better way until it becomes more normal. And it can actually be really fun. Number nine, reaching the heart of the child. You identify the love language of each of your kids. So while they're doing it, give them words of affirmation. Touch them. Um, recognize that doing something together really shows how much you as a family like each other and that this is a really good thing. Being in our family is a good place to be. Uh, figure out what their love language is. Gift giving. Say to somebody, hey, you've done enough. I want to finish your job for you. Double servant attitude. Wouldn't that like kill somebody? Um, Probably the one that was doing it. Uh, Be proactive. Talk about how you can get this done. So you can actually talk about what you want to have done before you clean up the kitchen. You know, where are the containers? And they all have to have lids instead of open containers in the refrigerator. That you have to like clean off the table and not sweep all the crumbs onto the floor, but put them into your hand and then throw them away. Because they'll just go... And they'll just like whip them off all over and then you have to clean up the floor. So be proactive. Don't assume anybody knows how to do anything until they've done it at least 50 times. Um, Community. Develop this family relationship with other people who are doing this so that you have this sense of servant attitude. And the last one is that you want to point out how God loves us as we live in this world and how Jesus serves us. So what I want for you to do is just take one of these qualities... It's 1034, and I want you to just, for a few minutes, um, just start working on that and um, seeing what you can come up. We won't get all the way through. We'll work on this probably for about five minutes or so. And just begin the process of, of thinking through what do you want to do about one of these things. And then your homework assignment for the week, should you be brave enough to take it, is to see how you, in mercy, I mean, I'd love for you to... Maybe organize some step-by-step sort of thing, but I don't know what your week is like. But you can do this. Is how will you be merciful and help your children, help your spouse know that everything about you moves for their betterment and that that's what your goal is. And that when you fail, you are committing to work on repairing that failure. That's all you're going to do is figure out what you can do to move forward. So um, let me ask a blessing on our time to do this. And then when you're done, you can just kind of like move away. I'll call time here, but I'll, I'll close out the class right now um, and on this recording. And let me ask a, a prayer for you, and then we'll just work on this for a little bit. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness and grace. Thank you that you move in our hearts to help us to be like you. And we invite you into our lives right now to help us to be merciful, to have this great quality that is translated into English as meekness, but is all about the resources that we have moving for other people. Grant to us the wisdom that we need in order to begin taking these qualities that Tim is talking about and making sure that we live them out on some level within our own families, that our children would be be able to understand that these kind of qualities uh, within our lives really define what true greatness is, and not this success fantasy that we are all trapped in in this culture. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.